Welcome to the Edify Podcast, where we believe success can be achieved by small and simple means. This is going to be part two of episode number eight, where we continue to interview Matthew Fritchie, the professional in spending money. He's in venture capital. He talks about mastermind groups and other successes that you can apply to your life. Stay tuned. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417 417- Two nine five zero seven two three. Dave Ramsey, he preaches pay everything with cash. I do not believe in that at all. I think uh, now I understand what he's doing, right? He's preaching to the average American that does not know how to use their credit cards. They're in credit card debt. They're in bad debt. But when you leverage a bank's money, for example, on a real estate deal, your return is so much higher instead of paying it in cash, which makes no sense to me why you would ever pay for a uh, rental property and cash. Now I, man, and it's funny cause you do bring up Dave Ramsey and I know, I know a lot of people are, you know, huge yeah, Dave gonna, Ramsey fans. And they're going to hate me I for do, saying that. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. There's, there's something for everybody, right? I mean, I, I, I think Dave Ramsey is amazing for a certain group of individuals, 100%. but he's terrible for another group of individuals. You know what I mean? It's it's anywhere in between. So, and and, and I want to make a, a a clarification that the average in VC, the average returns are not one, two, three thousand percent. Like those are like, you know, the those take a lot of work. It takes the right deal, and it takes the right people to get them there. Um, but there are deals where you can throw fifty grand into a company and turn around their entire sales platform, build it correctly turn around and sell it in a year and you're going to get those kind of returns. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So like there are different ways. Um, my uh, I've got a partner. Um, he consults for a company. They've been up and running for one year, one year. They just hit their evaluation of 200 million. Wow. So, you know, th- those are the types of deals where it's like, yeah, maybe those are a little bit of the unicorns or the outliers, but they happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not quite that average. Now, uh, going back to everything with Dave Ramsey, um, yeah, man, I, I, I am a finance everything kind of person. Uh, I don't know if that means much, and I don't know if we even need to dig into it too much deeper. But you know, I, I had a funny experience, uh, uh, boy, just a few weeks ago, where I was looking into uh, getting into another car, just one that I could use as just a daily down to the farm and back, which is a nine hour drive, eight and a half hour drive and still have my partners and still be nice and luxurious. And the first person I spoke to at the first dealership, uh, the guy, the guy asked me, he's like, you seem like the guy who, who pays cash for everything. And I was like, I don't like, I understand you, you think that that's a compliment, but like, you also got to know your audience. So I, I told him, I said, actually not, I'm, a, I'm definitely a finance everything because I know where my money can make money. And it's not in my car. So no, but then I went to uh, another more um, 
uh, what's what's the word? Uh, uh, more Iron. credible. <laughs> yeah. Well, more credible dealership. Same same company. It was it was at Mercedes. Same company. Or well, I'm sorry. Same brand. Different dealership. And I walked mm. in there, and the, the lady said, "So you you kind of seem like you're one who cash means more to you in the investments and not in your car. So how'd you like to finance it?" And I thought it was just a very interesting. Um, <sighs> Uh, 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 scenario there where you had two different people with two different approaches. I happen to be a finance everything guy. That's just me, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not necessarily saying you should go put uh, finance a hundred cars. Like, yeah, well, you need to make sure that you're, you're making enough money to put into ventures and other deals and real estate and other yeah. things that are assets. Right. But uh, still I'm, I'm a finance everything kind of guy. So. Yep. I, I, uh, I agree. <laughs> Yeah. That, that, that doesn't mean get into major debt. Right. You know, cause again, there's good debt and there's bad debt, but uh, when you, when you run a business, it's a little bit easier to finance a car and justify it as an expense instead of seeing it as, uh, and you get to write it off. So instead of seeing it as, Holy cow, I just took on all this debt. <laughs> yeah. So, right. Cool. So tell me what has been the most rewarding part for you or some of the challenges you've experienced, um, that you've had to overcome with with doing venture capital um due diligence i i think is is the number one thing uh some sometime okay so uh i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a little bit of a wrench in in the wheel for a lot of people uh i had a friend of mine who we were golfing once upon a time and he he's a he's an internationally renowned speaker um, he speaks all over the world with Brian Tracy, Les Brown, with Tony Robbins, you know, uh, many of the past, like five or six presidents of the United States. So both political parties, I'm just making that wow. very clear for anyone listening. But um, <laughs> so so he's very renowned and he asked me uh, he, he he does something with me every time we golf. He asked me crazy questions that get me to change the way that I think about things. And he asked me a question once and he said, um, he said, so random question, was Hitler a bad person? And my response was, well, I feel like the answer is yes, but the way you asked it makes me feel like it's a trick question and the answer is no. And he, he dug into um, basically, if you look at who Hitler became, yes, terrible. We don't support any of those decisions. But what led up to that? What happened in his childhood? What happened in his you know, beginning stages of life that caused him to continue to develop his thought process that eventually became Hitler. Now, I know this, like, I'm not trying to be controversial. And again, I'm not saying that he is great and justified. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but what he pointed out was, are there really bad decisions or just really bad information? So sometimes when you and I make decisions, the very best we can do is go off of the information we've been given, right? Mm-hmm. So we've come into ventures where, you know, we've literally been at a table getting ready to sign documents to buy into the company. And we've discovered from somebody else who gave us a phone call, hey, I just went through their entire books. I would hang tight for a second. Separated from a meeting where we were doing, where we were literally signing. I said, you'll have to excuse me, walked outside found out that uh, their bookkeeping was a nightmare and they were hiding some money and choosing to pay themselves through a different way in a different channel. And to me, I mean, it was close to 
can it's as close to stealing as is you can get and no it's not that we couldn't fix it and then he didn't have a good answer for it it's i didn't want to do business with somebody who was like that right yeah. we've also been in deals where uh we found out that there was baggage and that there were people who were doing things that we weren't even aware were around or part of it until afterwards, you know? So it's, it's due diligence and it's getting better and better and better at finding out what that baggage is before you get into it. And, and baggage shouldn't be something that uh, takes you away immediately, but it's something where you need to understand to know how are you going to handle it, fix it. And if it can't be fixed, stay away from it. Does that make sense? Yep. It's, it's just like a real estate deal, man. You do, you've got to do your due diligence. If, uh, <laughs> if there's some baggage with a property, whether it's, it needs a big rehab or whatever, you just, you need to do your due diligence and figure, make sure the numbers work. And then if you can fix it, let's do it. If you can't, uh, or it's going to cost too much, the numbers aren't going to work, then walk away. So yeah, it's, it's very similar, probably not at the same, same level. I feel like real estate investing is so much simpler, uh, but it, it's essentially yeah. the same process. So, so I think, I think the other, the other thing that I learned the most, especially for people who want to get into startups, don't be afraid to ask people for money. Um, I, it sounds like such a scary thing and it sounds like there's so much trust and liability on it. Now there is. There needs to be trust and there is some liability for sure. Don't get me wrong, but you'd be shocked at how many people want to give money to different products and ventures. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I would definitely say for anyone who's interested, whether it's on the startup side, they need a little bit of growth in their current business um, or, or they want to get into the venture capital side or the real estate side or whatever other uh, uh, venture that requires some capital. Don't be afraid to ask people for money because selling money at a discount is a lot easier than you think. And a lot of people, especially now, understand that money shouldn't be just sitting in bank accounts. Good. So. That's, I think that's good advice. So uh, our podcast is all about uh, by small and simple means. Uh, that kind of leads you to the path to success. We believe it. success can be achieved by doing small and simple things on a consistent basis. What do you feel like has led to your success? What are some small and simple things you've done that has led to your success so far? Um, mindset and environment um, at the simplest terms. Um, uh, there's a book. Oh my goodness. Oh man. I can't remember her name, but it's mindset, the psychology of success. Um, oh man, it's, I can't believe it's blanking me because Carol something. What's that? I think Carol yeah. something. Yeah. I have yeah. it on my bookshelf. Yeah. I think it's yeah. uh, Carol something. Yeah. It's Carol. So anyway, that's, that's one of my favorite books, but I, I do believe it's, it's, I mean, it's so much of your mindset. Um, I, I, I won't dig too deep uh, into any of it, but uh, I, I've learned a lot from some of my relationships here recently and have discovered um, a lot of my friends who are at that next level started with clearing everything they've done in the past in their mind to change their mindset moving forward. And then it's environment. And I told you uh, uh, when you and I had that last conversation, I'll be real brief on this again, but have a, I've got a buddy from here from Utah. He was actually, um, they were immigrants and family were immigrants, right? And he was in high school and he was told by his parents, you need to quit your job and come provide for the family, you know, go be a me mechanic or whatever. And 
he felt like that was pretty messed up. Uh, he didn't feel like that was in his cards. He took a trip out with some friends to California, overheard a, a couple of high school kids in a Starbucks talking about how they just made a hundred grand on whatever campaign or whatever. So he interjected himself into that conversation and uh, started speaking to him. He came home, packed his bags, moved out and lived in one of those uh, friends, new friends houses and started fresh in high school. He was 21 years old, sold a $10 million company, 26, a hundred million dollar company. Now he's got a company about, I think he's 31, 32 now. And it's just shy of a billion in wow. evaluation. I mean, incredible. And, and so I was sitting out in his $24 million mansion and I'll, I'll point out why that's important here in a second, but $24 million mansion overlooking Hollywood uh, on his back uh, balcony. And he told me, he said, you know, my biggest struggle uh, and, and for any people from Utah listening, his biggest struggle was in Utah, there seems to be a mentality cap. I will tell you right now that uh, everyone here in Utah looks at like four different cities as, oh my gosh, one day, if I could achieve that, I will be successful. Uh -huh. Right. And, and for anyone who knows Utah, a lot of cases, it's Alpine, it's Park City, it's Mapleton and you know, it's the avenues, right? Like there's, there's select places and maybe you could throw in like Draper and Corn Canyon there, but there's like select places where people, I don't want to say worship, but they worship as far as, if I can make it there, I've done it. I've You've made it, it, right? Yeah. But what's funny is, as this as this uh, guy told me, you know, in Utah, the average home in some of those places is like a few million bucks. He told me he's like, I live in my in a shanty house on my street, and it's a twenty four million dollar house. He said the conversations out in Utah are, oh my gosh, if I could be a millionaire. And he said the conversations out where he's at is, how do you make your next hundred million? not how do you become a millionaire it's how do you make your next hundred million yeah. so he said it's all about the environment so i asked him well being from utah what would you suggest and he said look there are successful people in utah have broken that mold and they don't deal with people in utah they deal with people in california and people in new york uh so he said i wouldn't suggest moving to la but deal with the people who know how to break out of that system because yeah. there are plenty of them so uh, you know going back to mindset and environment that mindset is so key. What are you capable of achieving? So there's a funny thing that happens to us and you may have experienced this as well. Um, I won't speak for you, but I know I certainly have. When I first graduated from high school, you know, making 500 bucks in a month was absurd to me. Like it would just was, you know, I, I probably made a couple hundred bucks in a month, right? Because it was part-time through high school, whatever. Then went on a mission, come home and, you know, you're making whatever, 800 bucks uh, on your first paychecks. Right. And so before my brother and I actually started business, I did sell for a different company. And I remember getting a $1,200 check thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm making some good money. Uh -huh. But I always kept thinking like, but man, how do I get to 2000? That's so much work until you at 2000. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Then you start a company and it's like, Oh my gosh, like five grand, then it's 20 grand, 30 grand, 60 grand, 70 grand, a hundred grand in a month. Like, oh my gosh, like every time you take that next step, you realize, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. The funny thing is, is the difference between what I did then and what I did now was change my mindset. 
I didn't know were, in fact, I probably worked harder for a $2,000 paycheck than I did for a much larger paycheck. It's funny how it works. It's, it's your, it's your mindset that blocks it. Does that make sense? And I do believe a lot of that is, is because of the conversations now that I have with all these other friends that I have that are talking about, you know, yeah, in 60 days, I believe we'll be at $10 million. Like those are the people you want to surround yourself with who believe at that level because you start to change your paradigm into what's yep. possible for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, my wife and I were actually talking about this the other day. It's crazy because um, as you go through these different stages, <clears throat> you think, um, we'll just use this example. You're like, man, that, that's insane. This person's making six figures. I don't even know how they're doing it. You think it, you almost think it's like impossible, like it's untouchable. But then once you break into that, you're like, man, how are people making a million? You know, like, and it just keeps progressing. It's just crazy because it, it, you're right. It's a mind shift. Uh, change it's a paradigm change and granted i'm not you know making uh, a ton of money you know uh but uh i could tell you this <laughs> i could tell you this much i'm not living paycheck to paycheck and uh we're, we've got a lot of different sources of passive income but it's just crazy because before if you would have told me i i had this i'd have been like oh wow because you know when you're out of high school i was thinking you know hey man if i made about 50 to sixty thousand dollars that'd be pretty good money well, now I'm like, that's, that's not them. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Oh, it, it, it absolutely is, man. And, and it's, it's something that people need to understand. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's possible for everybody. I mean, I've watched people who I still consider today dumb as rocks who are killing it, absolutely destroying it. You know, um, I don't believe in credentials. I'm not a big fan of, uh, traditional education. I think that there are better methods, better ways. Uh, I will, uh, I will tell you, I have a friend, um, whose daughter, boy, 11 years old and was making about 40, 45 grand a month doing campaigns. She just learned how to do campaigns by herself. And then her mom had, you know, some good support for her and everything else, but this girl was killing it and she chose to do it. And she made the decision at that point if this is where I'm at by what I can teach myself, why in the world would I stay in the system? So she ended up choosing to stay in the system for the social side while she worked her side hustle, but she didn't care about any of the other stuff. So that I'm not, I'm not saying anyone who has kids should take their kids out of school. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is, is like an 11 year old can educate herself on how to do it. You know what I mean? Um, here, here's a funny little story for you. Uh, cause we appreciated this. She got on stage in front of like 65, 70 people and she was speaking to them and teaching them how to do marketing campaigns and all these other things. And at this point she was like, you know, 13, 14 years old. And somebody asked her, how in the world are you so brave at such a young age? And her answer, which I thought was hilarious was I look at everyone in the audience and, and I realize that everyone poops just like me. So if, <laughs> if everyone does the most disgusting thing, and we all do it together. Then, uh, you know, what, what am I scared of from anybody else? But I, in that, I, I thought it was very interesting lesson. You can take it from a public speaking side, or you can take from the other side. We're all human the most successful people are human, just like you and I, there's nothing special about them. Nothing. Um, the only difference is their willingness to expand their horizons mentally and expand their horizons on a relationship level. Does that make sense? It's all the resources. And when they understood that they utilized those resources and they became who they were. But at the end of the day, those guys are still human, just like you and I, which means if you 
you do not need to make 10,000, 30,000, 50, 60, 100,000 in order to know that you can make 100,000. All you have to do is look at the people around you and go, okay, well, he made 100,000 in a month. You know, he made a million in a month, which means I can do it too because he's human just like I am. It's the Uh mindset and how to utilize the resources. And that's it. I love it. There's, uh, we could go on and on about a ton of different stuff with what you've got going on and uh hopefully hopefully the listeners like this because we could go in so many different directions but we'll we'll kind of bring it to a close um if you were to go back to the high school age you uh what would be some advice you'd give yourself or what would you have done differently um if i could go back to the high school age me I would have been a lot more humble and I would have sought out uh, as many very successful relationships as I possibly could. I would have gone and found the wealthiest people on earth and begged them to let me follow. Uh, it's, it's funny, um, again, how scared people are of some very successful people when a lot of those successful people are so willing to help. Mm-hmm. So when you add an adorable little 17 year old who has aspirations to be something incredible, those guys are going to see first and foremost potential and they will want to give you everything that's inside their mind. They won't hold anything back. I would argue even, you know, as a 28 year old or a 30 or 40 year old, people are still of course willing to help, but there's something about the cuteness of a little high school kid, Mm -hmm. you know, 17 year old who's wanting to know how to accelerate and yeah, I, I think that's that's what I would have done differently if I would go back then. That's great advice. So now we're going to go into the next segment of the, the podcast where I ask uh, the final three questions. The first one is, is the most recent book you've read and one thing you've learned from it? Oh, man, you just opened up an entirely different podcast. Um, <laughs> if you're like me, you probably read and listen all the time because <laughs> that's what I, I do. So I was trained by the world record speed reading holder on, on how to speed read. Uh So I read a lot of books and I identified that 99% of those books all say the exact same stuff. They just use their versions of it. Uh So I've changed the way that I look for books and the content that I soak in. I like the ones who make me change my paradigm because if you can change your own paradigm, your own way that you think, you can start figuring out the answers before the book tells you. Does that make sense? So it's fascinating. So here, here's one. Yeah, I was going to say, let's go into this Favorite, a little bit. I- <laughs> yeah, that you can you can soak up as much of the same content as you want from 100, 500 different books. But if you can change the way you think, you start to ask the appropriate questions without seeking from those books and you tend to find the answers um, in different, I believe, more applicable, faster ways. So- uh, one of my favorite books is Black Swan by Nassim Taleb. I don't know if you've read Black Swan. No, I haven't. I've heard of it, but I've not read it. Probably one of the best. I, I do believe it's the best book on earth. Uh, it's The Impact of the Highly Improbable. Uh, so Black Swan, Impact of, high, of the Highly Improbable by Nassim Taleb. It basically, I mean, to sum it up very, very, very quickly, there are things in this world that occur that you can't control. And the book is all about how to control the uncontrollable, which I find to be absolutely fascinating. So I will, I'm going to go on a, I feel like it's very important to go on this quick little tangent, but I'm going to go on a 30 second tangent 
Um, and some people are gonna disagree. Some people are absolutely gonna agree, okay? Uh, we just went through an election. You have one party who is absolutely petrified of the other and you have the other party who's absolutely petrified of the other. You know what I mean? So to control the uncontrollable, Right now, there are a lot of people who believe with, uh, you know, the president we have and the people he surrounded himself with, we're going in a certain direction. I'm not going to get into who I voted for or what political side I stand on. What I will tell you is there is a game that is to be played, whether it was Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden who ended up winning. There's a game that's to be played. What you can control is sometimes the uncontrollable right now what you and i cannot control because it's done is joe biden's our president and he brings in all of his parties with their beliefs and they're making changes what i can control is playing the game to their system i do believe uh one of the reasons why i'm so excited about being in hemp and cannabis right now is because that party is so for it now we sell cbg seeds you know, CBG is another form of CBD, except it doesn't go hot, meaning it doesn't create THC. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a very um, impactful product and has crazy prices on seeds right now. And we're very excited about it. We're playing the game. Um, so in, in his book, what he, uh, one of the other things that I could point out is sometimes there are things called black swans that you just cannot control, like this pandemic. Nobody in their right mind could have ever have called that in March last year, our, our society would be shut down. Our economy would be shut down because of a, of a sickness, right? Look who came out killing it. Amazon, you know, a lot of these e-commerce sites, I had a lot of marketing buddies who were like, this is the best time ever for us. Um, and it's one of those things where sometimes we just have to deal with it and expect that there will be unexpected things that happen and how do you form yourself to play the game to win at the end yeah. does that make sense yep. anyway um i i won't go too much deeper in it because what what i could really blow your mind with is how i view the banking system how i view uh life insurance policies and everything else that i gathered from this book like i said it could be an entire podcast um but if you really want to blow your mind read that book uh you may need a dictionary because every other word is a word that I've never heard before. Uh, second question. What is one principle you strive to live your life by? I, I think one that I definitely am, am living by right now, working on a lot is trust, but verify. I believe it's an important principle because uh, if you don't trust, you're, you're never going to expand. Um, but you also need to make sure you verify so you don't do stupid things. Uh, third question. What is one of the greatest pieces of advice you've been given? Uh, investing in the cryptocurrency and investing in the cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, another one uh, that, that I really think is important is, is find your center, find your base and always fall back to it. Okay. Um, I, think, I think that's huge. For me, that is my family. Um, you know, every time things get stressful, if I can de-stress for even if it's 30 minutes, even if it's five minutes of wrestling with my daughter, which she just loves to do, you Same know, here, my it, little girl loves it too. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it brings me back to a point where I can think again. You know what I mean? Well, uh, where can people find out more about you? Great, great question. Uh, Instagram is one, and I believe it's Matt, Matt, uh, Ventures. 
So I'm like, I don't know, maybe you can find it and tag it in there. Okay. Uh, Matt Fritchie on Facebook. I do still get on Facebook. I'm also on Clubhouse, not overly active. I'm also not opposed at all if anyone, I, I'm not opposed at all at giving out phone numbers to anybody who wants to to contact. So if somebody ends up reaching out to you or whatever, feel okay. free to do that. We'll and link, I, link I'm absolutely happy because I'm all about relationships. So Cool. I love it, man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. This was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate